welcome to Where You're From, the show where we talk about origin stories. Literal, you know, as in geography, metaphorical, as in cultural, religious, political, etc., and otherwise. I don't know what other options there are, but I assume they're out there. <laughs> I'm Sarah Benengaza. I'm so glad that you're here. It's season two. I am stoked to continue to share these stories with you. Thanks in no small part to my Patreon supporters. Thank you so much to everybody in the community at patreon.com slash Sarah Ben and Casa. That is a great place to hang out. If you like what you hear and would like to support it for as little as a dollar a month, (laughs) you can hang out with us there. I do a weekly blog post. I do a patron-only advice column there. So you can um, send me questions at where you're from pod at gmail.com or at Sarah at sarahbenincasa.com or you can message me through the Patreon site. Um, it's great and I'm so grateful to get to do what I do and to get to pay my editor and to get to pay for other production costs if possible. Shout out to editor guy as well. So today I'm talking to Corinne Fisher. I spoke to Corinne in New York City. We were at Betaworks Studios, which is a really cool laboratory of sorts. It's a members only club for builders. So people making cool web related things. And Anchor, which is the platform that I use to distribute this podcast, is a member of Betaworks Studios. Anchor is uh, also owned by Spotify And they have startup roots and they do all kinds of funky stuff. So Corinne and I went, we got to have some free dairy-free ice cream. We got to have some coffee, some tea, some water. I am from New Jersey. She is from New Jersey. We got to talk about Union, New Jersey. She is the co-host of Guys We Fucked with Christina Hutchinson, who was a guest in season one. I always wanted to have both of them on, so I'm pretty stoked that this is happening. Corinne is great. She looks like a gorgeous China doll. She's really, really funny. And she is an accomplished stand-up comedian. She is part of Sorry About Last Night, which is her comedy duo with Christina. She travels all around the country. I mean, she does a lot. She's a very successful individual, and I'm so happy to have her on the show. So please tweet at her that you liked it and that you liked hearing her. And of course, subscribe to this show, but also subscribe to Guys We Fucked. She's at Philanthropy Gal online, and I will come back and talk to y'all later. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast besides Guys We Fucked. <laughs> Where are you from? Uh, coincidentally... What, where did I come up with that reference from? Oh, my from? goodness. Our guest today is, in addition to being a very successful stand-up comedian, a classically trained actress, I believe, is mm. what I found on these internets. That, I mean, it's I've never said it that nicely before, but... Stanisovsky is no... That's no, like, that's no slouch. That's not like improv games before you start ninth grade, you know? Like, I've also done deal. improv games, but yeah. <laughs> lots of that. Lots improv. of zip-zap-zop. I love a zip-zap-zop. Wait, can we just... Oh, it's Corinne Fisher. You fucking know this already. It's Corinne Fisher, everybody. We already, we already dove in. Yeah, you dove in. Do you... Because I have learned in my day that sometimes things that I think everybody knows, they don't. Who knew? Uh, the world doesn't revolve around what's in my narcissistic brain. <laughs> Can you explain in your own words how one plays zip, zap, zop? Oh, my gosh. Um, so it's basically you're making the sound zip, zap, or zop, but you have to do it in that order. So, like, if the person before me says zip, I have to say zap. And then you're you're changing... Um, 
you're like, aren't you like ca- catching a hand or a position and then throwing another position to someone like you're, yeah, yeah. I mean, Sometimes I'm, there's a physical movement to it. Yeah, because you know? I was like, there is some kind of physical change. And I didn't know if it was either like you're catching somebody's physical movement or you're just creating your own because a couple improv teachers, you know, made their own little adjustments to them. They have to. That's how you put your own spin on it, kid. Right. And then you do it and then you're like, okay, is this not the right way? Like even like my like trainers at gyms like will put <laughs> spins on like moves that is kind of you're not supposed to put a spin on. So then I don't know how to do like I was doing a burpee one way and then the guy was like, what are you doing? And I was like, this is the way so-and-so taught me how to do a burpee. And then he's like, no, that's not the way I do burpees. And I'm like, but isn't this like a pretty standard move that we're all supposed to be doing the same way uh i guess not though so so zip zap zap as you feel is appropriate everyone out there yeah uh, especially when i mean i was briefly um a ninth uh ninth and tenth grade teacher oh, okay on a time i moved to new york to go to get my graduate degree in teaching i thought i was going to be a teacher and then i discovered that stand-up comedy existed and i was like that seems like a a superior profession which it's not they're not um, dissimilar though oh no it's so similar and you know I don't do stand-up that much anymore but I always say teaching was an incredible training tool for stand-up mm-hmm. because I had to be I had to hold the attention of a room of people who were either literally adolescents or maybe rendered adolescent in state because mm-hmm. they're partying emotionally they may go back to an adolescent place okay especially if I've got like a bachelorette party, right? Yeah. So they're like, they could be very classy professional ladies during the day, but they're fucking nuts. Those when people there. party the, the hardest, actually. The, Absolutely. You know, work hard, play hard is not a joke. And they're releasing a lot. So mm-hmm. I, in the same way that when you're a school teacher, the principal wants you to maintain discipline and not have to bounce a kid out. <laughs> they want you to handle it. Now, obviously, if there's a real security concern, they will, you know, school security will come in or whatever. But ideally, you can control the room in such a way. And I feel like that's kind of true at clubs, too. Like, they're not thrilled to have to bounce people out. Oh, yeah, no. And sometimes they'll keep, they'll, tr- they'll give people so many chances that you're like, well, at this point, the chances are more disruptive than the person, like mm-hmm. the kind of like interaction between like me saying, hey, can we get this guy out? And then no one coming over. And you and I like and I also like, I don't know, I don't mind handling a heckler, but it's depending on what the the type of heckler, like a young woman heckler who came like specifically to see me. I'm a little more lenient with because those people tend to cry. And she's thrilled. Also, yeah. she's a fan. <laughs> yeah. She's a fan of yours. She may be a fan of Guys We Fucked or, or your duo with Christina Hutchinson. Sorry about last night. Mm-hmm. And or both. She may have read the book. Like she, So she's like, it's meaningful to her to see you right. or to ref- probably drop a reference to an episode you guys did three years ago that you barely remember that it like, changed her life. Yeah. Like it'll start, we'll start a joke <laughs> about like, I'll start a joke about my dog and people will be like, Alfred. And I'll be like, that is his name uh again we just threw off the whole rhythm but that's that's fine thank you guys thank you for coming you know because it's nice and nice heckling is is kind of the worst kind of heckling because you can't roast you can't just go in hard on the person but it's still disruptive like if someone's just being an asshole you're like okay well i can bury you and that'll be entertaining for the rest of us but if somebody's like i love you you mean so much to me you helped me leave an unhealthy relationship (laughs) yeah like okay there's a lot going on yeah you can't be like cunt (laughs) like who let this cunt in you know like that you're just like oh thank you very much we'll talk about that later quietly i think that a lot of people i'm from jersey Mm -hmm. i know you're, you're from Union, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm from Flemington, which is uh, kind Ugh. of south central. My favorite fair, yeah. Oh, the Flemington Fair! Oh, my God. 
such oh. childhood memories. We would go every year. I love Flemington Fair. That yes. makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. It, the Flemington, we used to have uh, a dirt racetrack where they would do like NASCAR and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, but like, I don't know what version of NASCAR it was. It was not fancy NASCAR. It wasn't like <laughs> fancy pants, like Dale Earnhardt NASCAR or Dale right. Earnhardt Jr. Who knows? <laughs> I, I, one of them's not with us anymore, RIP. Right. It was like. You know, it's a dirt freaking racetrack. But then they knocked it down to build a Walmart, which is, I'm like, that's how I explain my town to people because they don't know that Jersey has country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They don't, they think that we're all sort of like a version of a Sopranos episode and can get to the city like very quickly and maybe right. just kind of, you know, they, they don't know that I think Jersey's an entity unto itself. Oh, there's so many nooks and crannies. And like even I'll, you know, if I'm in Cherry Hill, to me, that feels like a different state. Because that's, the, you know, the parts by Pennsylvania, uh, the people by me, which I do live in, like, the Sopranos. Like, literally, Sopranos was filmed, a lo- like, in many places in my town. Oh, yeah, because you also have a very, Union has, like, a, a very scenic, um, gosh, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm like, let me bring up, I think it's Livingston Hall. I did my research. <laughs> Union, it looks like small town America in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 the uh, actual street that I grew up on is very small town. And then... You kind of forget sometimes that, well, it has a population of 58,000, like when I last checked that sign. I'm sure it's uh, no, know, I think adjusted. You're, you're about right, because mm-hmm. in, uh, in 2009, it was like early 50s or okay. something like that. So it's, it's a, I think it's still around there. Try to keep tabs on it, yeah. Yeah, you got to check in. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was going to say was I, I think that a lot of people assume that, um, some, that a woman from New Jersey, really anyone from New Jersey, is going to be very brassy and sassy and loud. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily associate uh, a charming, quiet vulnerability with our people. No. <laughs> necessarily. Um, do you find ever that audiences, whether or not they're familiar with your on-mic persona on the podcast... That they expect you to just be like, go fuck yourselves. You're crazy. <laughs> like that they're like, oh, she's going to love shutting down this heckler. Because some comics do take a real joy in, uh-huh. that, in that thing, like the, in the shutting down the hecklers. It is a particular skill. But there's like, do you feel like people expect you to come out swinging like aggressive? Um, yeah, probably people probably expect me to be more confrontational than I am. I actually am not super confrontational, especially considering the fact that I'm from New Jersey. Like I've never been in a physical fight. I don't really get in fights with like my adult friends nor do I think that's like overly appropriate like it's like I know actually before um earlier today I was eating lunch and I uh, Real Housewives was on and anytime I see that show I can't even watch that show it gives me such anxiety because I'm like this is just a show literally about adult women bickering mm-hmm. and to me that's not normal um and it's showed a lot shown a lot on tv but yeah I mean I the my on my persona and like who I am as a stand-up are pretty similar I think if you know me in real life, there's a lot more complexity, but kind of what you see is what you, what you get with like me as a comedian. Um, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not like fighting people. I'm, I'm pretty composed and I don't have a hot temper or anything like that, which is very un-Jersey. Yeah. I think that, I mean, even, I have to say, even my mom, I'm thinking of, well, she came to visit me in, in Los Angeles where I live now, even though I'm back in Jersey all the time. It brings you back. You just, yeah, I'm like, um, people are like, do you live in both places? And I'm like, no, I do not. Like people who know me, who know I have an apartment in LA are, will say to me like, so you live like 
part time back there, by right? Coastal. Back in, but but they they but they know it's not like a Manhattan thing. They like literally <laughs> are like, oh, you live with your parents in New Jersey, but then you also pay rent on an apartment here. I'm like, no, but it just brings me back. I just I'm like, I, you know, I got a nephew now, and he's cool, mm. and it's just like there's fun shit there, and uh, <laughs> my mom, my mom is is a very uh, you know sweet person she's not someone who i think has ever been in a physical fight oh wow um wait is she also from jersey yes okay but she came to visit me and we were in a parking lot and some lady took her spot now i've never seen my mom yell at a stranger or anything like that um in fact one time a cab driver yelled at her for taking too long to park which was warranted I was fresh out of a breakup and I flipped the fuck out and started pounding on the cab. And like, that's not me. I got very, I was like, go fuck yourself. My mom's like, holy shit. I'm like literally moving shit out of my ex-boyfriend's place. But my mom, I don't usually do things like that. And my mom never does. And she starts rolling down her window though in LA. This was like two years ago. She's like, I'm going to say something to this lady. And I go, I like, I don't usually say things like this to her, but I go, you shut that fucking window right. Goddamn. Now you are in a city. Lillian, you're in a city. I was like, we're going to get shot. Oh, my god! By some fucking blonde bitch out. And I mean, I, blonde people. I'm sorry. But this, you know, very like your stereotype of an L.A., like very wealthy woman in an oversized SUV. I'm I like, like that you think that die. she had a gun also. I for sure thought she had a gun. I'm like, she's got weapons. We're going to die. My mom's like, what are you talking about? You know, about? women in our we- weapons always shooting people. We love them. It's a thing. Every time there's a news story, I go, another girl Ugh. popped off. Who let the ladies What's out again? Us? Oh, this is this is weird. Do you? I don't know because you're younger than me. You're youth, a millennial youth. Whereas I'm more of like a a, 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 a like a very youthful Gen X, maybe on the cusp of a millennial, but most I don't know. But you're like a tiny baby from heaven. <laughs> well, I think I'm I'm I mean I'm as Eliza uh, Schlesinger would say an elder millennial because I think what is it like 82, 83? That's where you start. That's where a millennial goes up until. So okay. I'm, 80, I'm 85. Oh, okay. I'm not that young. Because I'm an eight. Well, you look like a China doll. Thank you. You're welcome. Honestly, that's the, I, that's like the second time this year someone's specifically called me a China doll. I looked at your pictures, not to be a psycho creep, but I was doing my research and I looked at some of your press photos, specifically from your website. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I. it was funny. I was like, she looks like a, like a very sweet, like a gentle doll, like crafted of some manner of porcelain. Oh, wow. Thank you. Which is very great also because it's a really nice contrast with the, I think, as far as Im- branding goes, as your branding consultant, let me just say, <laughs> I think it's great because it is an unexpected contrast, I think, for people who have a particular idea of what does a lady who talks about sex look like? A yeah. S- a slattern, perhaps. I don't know what people <laughs> think about that shit. But um, wait, I was going somewhere with this babbling like a true nut job. Um, so your oh, your mother, yeah. okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's get into union. This is a question for you, madam. Did you guys do this is kind of serious question? Did you guys do active shooter drills in high school? Because we did at Hundred and Central, really, in like the late nineties in ninety nine. Oh no, we did not. I mean, my mom is also a teacher, and I know she does them, and she also teaches in New Jersey in a much wealthier district than the one I was educated in. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we didn't do that at all. Do you remember growing up? Did you have a strong sense of fear surrounding anything to do with um, I don't know safety and security? Uh, at school, because I don't think that I really, I, I think I felt fairly safe 
Um, and maybe that was an illusion, but it was out in the boonies, out in farm country. And some of the kids that I went to school with hunted. Like, if something had gone mm. the wrong way, that could have been an issue. But it felt pretty safe. But how did you feel? Were you at Union? It was at Union High School. I was at Union High School. Okay. Um, you know, me, Artie Lang, Ray Liotta, all people who went to Union High School. At, graduated the same year. Yes, we all graduated the same year. 2012. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, no, I never felt unsafe uh, as far as, like, shootings or attacks or bombs or anything like that. Like that just wasn't even on the table. I mean, the first time it was obviously like I was, how old was I when Columbine happened? I guess I was in high school. You, well, let's see. I I was, you're five years younger than me, I think. Um, I'm 80. So I was 18 years old. So you might've been in middle school. 13. No, I think I was in, I was a freshman, I guess, because okay. I have a late birthday. Yeah. So, because I was, I, I, I kind of vi- pretty vividly remember coming home um, and just like in my mind, like I have a visual memory. That's why I like w- numbers and years sometimes it's like woo woo. But I just remember standing in front of the TV, like coming in the door, standing in front of the TV. My mom's not home from work yet. My brother probably was in his room and then just watching the footage because that's what I did. Because there was a lot of times during my high school career when I was coming home and watching the footage of something crazy, you know, because I had Columbine and then 9 mo- 11. Oh so, God. I just remember. Coming yeah, you home. were in high school for that. And we saw the smoke I was from 9-11 from the it. windows. Yeah. And it was fucked up because, like, there was one or two kids who went to the school whose parents worked in the Twin Towers. So, I mean, just the terror to get that news. And they, and it was such a time when it, you know, when I went to high school to kind of go back into your question – so few things like that were happening that there wasn't even protocol. Um, and so we found out about 9-11 um, kind of, you know, via phones and, uh, you know, texts and everything. And then we had TVs in every room. So the teachers just turned them on. Mm-hmm. And so it was very triggering to people whose parents lived there. But, like, we just had, didn't have the protocol. So everyone was just like, holy shit, this crazy thing has happened. Let's all turn on our TVs. And then, of course, you know, us being high school students, we're like, well, we can't work for the rest of the day because, you know, there's we're in the middle of an attack. And I remember, like, trying to te- uh, talk my English teacher, Miss Venetas, you know, with a couple other students out of, we're like, guys, we're traumatized right now, um, which is totally funny. But then also, I mean, there were a couple of kids. Then you leave and you find out, oh, my God, like they don't even know if their mom and dad are alive. This is awful. And kind of in retrospect, how terribly it was handled by the school. But they just didn't know. And, and that's like the American way. Like we fix things and, and create solutions after the bad things happen instead of kind of looking forward and being like, this is something that very well could happen. What's the plan if this happens? Um, it's kind of like we. We don't really take a preventive healthcare approach exactly. in a sense. So exactly. we don't really think ahead. And, we don't. And also at that time, I remember it, it because we didn't have, we had certainly had had the 24 hour news cycle for a long time, but we didn't have, not everybody was online mm-hmm. and the internet was not as fast as it is now. Mm-hmm. And so everybody wasn't wired. You didn't have the internet on your phone. Some people, most people had cell phones. Some people didn't, weren't even super into texting. So it right. was a different sort of time period. And there wasn't the understanding now of perhaps, at least in our, excuse me, in our culture, there wasn't so much this understanding of like seeing these images over and over again is not helpful. Yeah. It becomes addictive. You mm-hmm. can become addicted to those images over and over again. And especially when you're you know, up in, like in Flemington, you could, if you were up in one of the high hills, you could see the smoke, but Flemington's like an hour and 15 minutes outside the city. So for perspective, for people who've never been to these areas, kind of gives you an idea of, of how cataclysmic this effect was that you could see the smoke from so far away. Yeah. And, um, but for unions, like really close, really close. And yeah. at probably most people's parents, 
you know, either commuted in or you had a family or friend or who did. And so that's, yeah. that has got to be a sort of landmark where were you when JFK was shot kind of experience. And you remember it from high school. Yeah. What a vulnerable time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was just very it was very weird, and I guess that that's the kind kind of time when I, I I remember being like pretty a pretty happy person until high school, and then everything started falling apart. I'm not blaming it on nine eleven. No, I, listen, <laughs> I had a nervous breakdown, dropped out of college that year. Oh wow, and I can't blame it on that either. But what I will say is that somebody wrote to me recently. I used to do a, a podcast with um, Marcus Parks called Sex and Other Human Activities years ago um, on Cave Comedy Radio, and somebody wrote to me. Uh, just having listened to an episode that we did in 2011 where I talked about depression and suicide and they live in the UK mm -hmm. and they said, Hey, I just want to say thank you for talking about this. I know it's ancient history, you know, it was eight years ago, but you talked about this and it was helpful because I feel so anxious all the time right now. And, you know, I'm going through some stuff and I'm not able to work. And so I wrote back, sometimes I write back, sometimes I don't, I'm sure, sure. you yeah. know, the experience, you have to have a boundary of sorts with people when they share intimate details as you get to hear probably quite often. Yeah. But in this case, I wrote back um, because I was quite grateful. And I said, you know, thank you so much. Like, just so you know, I've been where you're at. You can get through it. And I was like, also, please just be aware you're going through some upheaval in your country right now, whether you voted stay or leave with Brexit or you didn't vote at all or whatever. When there's a lot of anxiety in the air mm -hmm. and a lot of fear, what's going to happen? Will I be able to work? What's going to happen to the country? Oh, my God. What's I, like that? It may seem like it doesn't have an effect on you personally, but it does. Sure. If you've got other shit going on that and I have to believe as an adolescent that has to impact them. I mean, I remember student teaching. I had sixth graders who had had who were in kindergarten at a school right by the towers um, and sixth grade you know they're still and they're still writing about it, thinking about it like it had to have impacted your high school or your adolescence in some way I think it's kind of also just was like the presence of of pure evil because I mean I remember in like a creative writing class I had you know kind of having a discussion with the teacher where she was asking like you know do you believe in the presence of evil do you believe that most people are good or most people are evil and I was like I believe that most people are like kind of in the middle I don't believe I believe that most people try to be good in their own ways I certainly don't believe most people are evil because I think you kind of need to be pretty smart to be evil and I don't think most people to be truly evil you can be bad like run-of-the-mill bad but mm -hmm. to be evil you have to be smart you know because I mean even 9-11 terrible evil but like you had to be pretty smart to pull that off yeah evil so, requires a certain amount of strategy whereas just sure. being a piece of shit is like eh, yeah anybody. you can phone that in <laughs> yeah you can just phone it in mm -hmm. it's not a full-time gig mm -hmm. i also love as a former creative writing teacher i love that your creative writing teacher was like let's talk about evil <laughs> that's yeah. so great i love creative that creative writing class holy crap yes <laughs> Did you feel like you got a, a good education? You were public school, like public K through school. twelve. The whole thing, public school, uh, and uh, yeah, I've my my mom has always uh, really valued education. Both my parents are really intelligent. Um, my mom, yeah, my mom is a is, is a teacher now. When I was a little kid, she was a a, a realtor, but now she's a, a teacher, and. Um, so they moved to that specific part of Union, knowing that they needed a, a place where the education system was good to raise their children. Did they grow up in Union? No, my mom's from Jersey City, and my dad, I guess initially we would say is from Maplewood, but the bad part. Okay. <laughs> Maplewood, <laughs> like, always up to no good. Right, which I, which I think is important um, and really kind of uh, set 
like, it, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it, had, it bears mentioning. Like, yeah, like if you know his character, it it's a it's a big part of why he is the way he is. Like he is he is like a little angel, and I think it's because he dealt with so much adversity. It was very interesting because like he was he was like the only white Jewish, very Jewish. And like you could tell by looking at him um, person in his neighborhood and he would get like the shit beat out of him every day. And to me, he is always he's so kind. He is not racist. He is like just truly accepting of all people and interested in all types of people, uh, you know, all economic status, all cultures. And I always reminded myself of that because because that's no, no easy feat to be, you know, beat up by lots of different types of people and then still not hold a grudge against any kind of, you know, culture or background. I was like, wow, that's well, good yeah, for you. it's really intelligent and it's compassionate because yeah. I think the easier thing to do, easier perhaps the more human, like, you know, is to associate the event that occurs that adversely affects you exactly with the, the, you know, some other, some label or some aspect of the individual who does it, but your dad, it sounds like realized, okay, at some point perhaps was like, oh, you know, maybe they, these people were in pain too, or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He didn't let it like influence his love for humanity and his openness. Yeah, absolutely. And so like as a little kid, just knowing that story, it was something always in the back of my head. And so I always remembered no matter, you know, what type of person or what sex or whatever did something to me, I was like, that's not reflective of all women or all, you know, Asian people or whatever. Just that's only reflective of like that personal per- that person and something that they are going through. Uh, and that was, that was really helpful. And I also like don't hold a lot of anger. And I think, you know, that's also has to do with uh, my, my parents just being like, okay, we can, you know, just kind of breathe and everyone's going through their own stuff. Do they tend to let things roll off their back when it comes to being, um, if they're hurt by someone else or they feel like sad, are they kind of like, Eh, it's fine. You know, are they, do they both have that attitude? Cause my parents, one's, one is more that way and one is more inclined to hold a grudge. I would say it, my dad would, my dad's like the soft one. So he would hold it. Um, it would bother him, but not in, he wouldn't hold it in anger. My mom would react uh, sooner with anger. I mean, she's Jersey city girl, but I think they're both pretty compassionate and intelligent and able to kind of like see the deeper reason in people's actions, you know, beyond the surface level. Hey, it's Sarah just breaking into the interview to say thank you so much for listening and please subscribe to Where You From on your podcast service of choice. We're also at twitter.com slash where you from pod. And where you're from, Pod on Instagram. I'm Sarah J. Benincasa on Twitter and Instagram. Please support the Patreon account, the Patreon campaign, the Patreon fund that helps pay for production of this podcast. You can contribute at anywhere from a buck or more per month. And for just a dollar a month, you get access to the weekly secret patron only blog, including the exclusive. Agony Auntie Sarah advice column where patrons can ask anonymous advice questions and I'll do my best to give helpful answers. So you can contribute at the scribe level or as a wordsmith, scrivener, person of letters, or Pulitzer Prize winning literary genius. 
And you can get a signed copy of Real Artists Have Day Jobs, one of my books. You can get a handwritten birthday card from me. You can get all kinds of different things beyond just access to the blog. I want to give a special shout out to folks who are contributing at the higher levels. And that includes David Grassy McDaniels, Jack Moore, Brent Wallace, Andrew Boscarden or Boscardin, Joel Palan or Belan. I don't know. You know, I'm just making it up. Maybe being weird to my contributors who I appreciate so much. I don't know if that's good, but you know what? I feel like they know I'm a weirdo and they're supportive of it. Also to John, who does not give a surname, and to Aaron Reynolds. Patreon.com slash Sarah Benincasa helps make it all happen. Thank you so much. Let's get back to the interview. So mom's from JC, which mm-hmm. is right across the water from, you can take the path. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's right across the water from New York. And I feel like so many people, and I'm, I'm doing it even myself, as we sit here at this beautiful studio at Beta Works, uh, courtesy of Anchor here uh, in wonderful Manhattan. But so many people orient New Jersey based on New York. And I even do it too, because... I grew up um, about equidistant between Manhattan and Philadelphia. They're mm-hmm. about three hours apart. Um, Flemington, well, depending. Flemington is like a, an hour and 15 from one, an hour and 20, 25 from the other. Um, did you, growing up, did you have a sense of pride from being from Jersey? Or was it just kind of like, this is where we are. One day I'm going to get to the big city. Or did you not give a shit? Maybe you were like, I'm going to live in Timbuktu. <laughs> I always, uh, I I mean, I didn't have, like, I didn't hate Jersey, but I didn't have, like, a Jersey pride that some of the kids had because I never felt like I fit in in New Jersey. I didn't, you know, I mean, kind of that's a theme my whole life, though. Even in New York City, when I finally got here, I thought it was a place where you could, like, dress however you want and wear a tutu. And, like, people still look at you if you do that. (laughs) Um, So I was kind of bummed out about that. But then I reminded myself, I was like, well, if you're in New York and people still find you to be unique, that's actually pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Because they see a lot walking down the street every day. Exactly. So I was like, okay, well, maybe you're just, like, a unique little weirdo. And that's that's also great. Um, But, yeah, I I knew I was always going to move to New York City. It just like was never and all my teachers knew, like even if I wouldn't even voice it, like it's not like I was going around talking about it. Everyone kind of just knew like this girl's going to get out and like this is not that she's not this is not the town for her. They were like, well, Corinne, when you live in New York one day, you were like, I'm in kindergarten. What are you talking about? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I remember like my health in my health class, definitely freshman year. And even before that, people were just like you are too big for <laughs> you're too big for this town like I would wear these crazy like black and white checkered boots that I got at the Canal Street Jean Company um, in the city because I would go you know se- semi often with my mom and I would to the city because I was trying to like become a big movie star and so I would like read back page and like right after school come in and audition for like Columbia University short films <laughs> but, Did you were you a, th- a theater kid did you do local theater or mm-hmm. theater in the city yeah I was I, I did it only that's another thing about union great performing arts company so uhs pack um uh, our high school for many years would win the rising star awards at the paper mill playhouse which i was, was gonna like ask very about the paper mill playhouse that's where uh ann hathaway came yes. up and paper mill playhouse for mm-hmm. those of you who for some reason don't know <laughs> is often a feeder for broadway it can yeah. be like a workshop it's where they'll work some stuff out um you know you have you you have here in new york you have all these different theaters like for example um uh, the public theater where mm-hmm. another guest thomas sadowski is doing a show called white noise right now um they you know a lot of times that ends up being a feeder to broadway Mm -hmm. but like 
it, so does Paper Mill Playhouse. And I think part of the reason is that they want to try it out with more of a suburban crowd, too. Sure. Um, and I was wondering if you did anything or you auditioned for anything there. I didn't. Um, gosh, I probably have auditioned for like a smaller role there. I ha- I went on so many auditions I can't even recall. Um, but yeah, I was very into UHS pack. And there was also, we also had like a summer camp, like the Union Musical, I think it was called Union Music School like summer camp for performing arts program, something like that. A lot of words, they should have shortened it, but (laughs) it was a great thing. And I would, and I would spend all July every summer doing another play after I had done one to two plays during the year. Cause once you're in high school, you're doing uh, a straight play and a musical. And I would do both of them. And then in middle school, I was also in all of the the plays. In middle school, I was more like, you know, chorus roles. And then once I started getting to high school where they valued acting a little bit over just being able to carry a tune, I would get like kind of the biggest role that didn't require singing. Because I'm like a decent singer, but I am not by any means a singer that you would pay to listen to. Like I can carry a tune. Um, but so I would get like, I was like sister in Damn Yankees, which is the Gene Stapleton comedic role. Uh, I was the Wicked Witch of the West. Like those were the Kind of roles that I was getting. Did you do a lot of like talk singing, like that um, kind of talky thing? When like when they take a, a mm-hmm. TV star <laughs> and they're not really a singer, right? Not like Jim Parsons who can sing, uh-huh. like who is a, a Broadway guy, but like a, a TV star who they're stunt casting, who's not actually a theater person, who's just this kind of talk singing. <laughs> like, did that happen? <laughs> I, I they didn't put me anything that I needed to talk sing because um, I remember like the things I've seen publicly, like in a because I'm kind of a chorus thing. I sing "Love Can Build a Bridge," but again. Because it's like I have, I have, I can sing really well, but my range is like teeny weeny. So if they can just adjust it, like I know how to read music, I can. Oh, that's awesome! Because like, I can play a violin. If you kind of like play a note on a piano, I can match it. Holy shit! But if you just ask me to sing right now and I have nothing to compare it to, I can't. But if someone sings next to me who's a good singer, I can match their singing. Um, so like the biggest singing role I had was one year in that summer program because there were so many more girls than guys. We basically did an almost all female production of, of guys and dolls. Only the romantic uh, parts were male and female dolls and dolls. Yeah. And so like <laughs> I was nicely, nicely because there's no reason that nicely, nicely has to be a guy because he's not like making out with chicks. I mean, obviously you don't have to, but, but, you know, they weren't going gay. We weren't that, we're not that progressive. Um, I don't Union think the parents were ready, ready for that. Yeah, they weren't ready for that yet. Uh, and so I just got to sing, like, Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat, and the theme song, Guys and Dolls. And I did a great job. But, That's I mean, because so it was a male role, so my voice is a lot, I'm like an alto. Um, so I was able to do that. I mean, they wouldn't let me on Broadway, but it was it was pretty good for someone who's not that great of a singer. Did you have friends who went to Stage Door? stage door the fancy one that like who went there i'm trying to think of i, feel I don't like, even know what that is so stage door is this fancy pants camp oh that, uh, one of the mm. you know one of the fancy like i always wanted to go this is not the same thing but i always wanted to go to bucks rock which is very artsy and okay up in the woods somewhere mm-hmm. not in new jersey um where you would like paint a thing or they'd be like here's a workshop like did did you um I mean, I just, there was something called Star Kids, I think, when I was in high school in the neighboring area. I, I just think I was never really an, an actor or comedy kid. I mean, mm-hmm. I took dance and stuff, but um, New Jersey it has so many child actors. Yeah. I, 
think because of the proximity to the city to go on auditions. Proximity, I think, yeah. And there are just happen to be a lot of, you know, like paper mill and a lot of great mm-hmm. theater opportunities. And then also my theory why so many famous people come out of Jersey is because it's so fucking boring. You have to create your own fun. And that's how you get a Meryl Streep. Yeah. And a Tom Cruise and a Bruce Willis. Christina Ricci, Whitney <laughs> Houston. Like, yeah, the list goes on and on. We generate a lot of the greats, including ourselves. Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bruce. I love that Bruce did Broadway. I didn't get to go see My the mom show. thought, of Did course. she love it? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think she she likes the part where the artists talk, and I'm like, I can't stand that. Like, I'm like, you're a singer, sing. I'm I, I'm a comedian, I talk. Yeah. Like, I, I also don't like it when comedians break out into songs, so we just keep those things separate. Um, but yeah, she she enjoyed it. I'm, I'm such a bad Jersey girl. I'm like, not into Bruce or Bon Jovi, and People it's a real... People always ask me one or the other, and I'm like, my, the Bon Jovi, his cousins own a funeral home in Raritan, New Jersey. Oh, really? Yes. There His name is really spelled B-O-N-G-I-O-V-I. Okay, that makes a lot more sense, yeah. just as an Italian. <laughs> yeah, okay. A bon Jovi. It's yeah. like near my brother's uh, general vicinity, oh, where wow. I can go and go to Randazzo's Bakery nearby. Ugh. It's fun. You go to a funeral, you get something to eat. It's great. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, I feel like there are, I guess it's because of the Italian, there are so many funeral homes and bakeries. Like, oh, people are always dying. Like, thinking of like where the house I grew up in, like, I could walk to either of those in like five minutes. Jersey is so, this is something that always strikes me. Jersey's the most densely populated state Mm -hmm. in the country. So it's the third smallest in terms of geographic size and area, but it's the most densely populated, most people per square mile. And so I guess that's why we just all die all the time. We also are humans, so we die. But like, (laughs) they just, people are constantly dying. And also Jersey is like small town next to small town next to small town next to small town and then you get to Hunterdon where I am from and some parts of Somerset and some and then farther south where it's you get go through wide swaths mm-hmm. which is like so bizarre to me when when you were growing up in Union did you have any kind of consciousness that there was a wider world that you wanted to see beyond the like New York thing or was it all very New York focused? No, I knew, I knew I wanted to go. I mean, I had dreams of like, since I was a little kid, I kept not little kid, but like middle school, high school kept uh, begging my mom to go to Romania. Like, cause I was, I'm obsessed wow. with like Dracula and I would read a lot of books. I'm a, I was an avid reader. I wish I still was. I just don't have the time, but I need to make it. Um, what so, books did you love? Do you remember? Uh, well, my favorite book was this book called Bloodlust that oh, I would get out of the Union Public Library. A Christopher Pike? What was it? <laughs> it Fear was Street? just like a like a, a like a one off lady who Bloodlust. basically it was like interviews with what they were calling real life vampires. And oh it was my god! Way too sexual. And my mom and it was at the, at the time when you had to actually write your name in the card in the back to check it out of the book, like old school style. And it would just say Corinne Fisher, Corinne Fisher, Corinne. Fisher. And my mom was like, "They're gonna have you arrested, Corinne. You're the only." person who takes out this book and I was like well then if he would buy it for me we wouldn't have this problem would we and I was also also like no one cares like no one's even like looking at this book like they're not like the feds aren't worried about who's taking out what books out of the union public library they've probably digitized (laughs) the it by now they have they have I really hope that it still retains like that (laughs) thing in the back because my my mom's a children's librarian former children's librarian and I remember those cards very well and my dream is that like 
like it just still says Corinne Fisher and that one day some fan of yours just finds it <laughs> and probably brings it to a show oh at like my Stress gosh. Factory or something. I would love it. I've, I've, I've mentioned it once before and someone tried more really wanted to buy it and I like they she like DM'd me a link like is this the book and uh, I, we were able to find it because it's like long out of print but I think you can get like a copy on eBay or Etsy if you really try. <laughs> they probably only made like 11 copies to begin with. <laughs> I love your blood, your bloodlust drenched childhood. I just loved it. Yeah. Well, I have some, let's see, some things about, about union that I learned, um, which is, which I will be sharing with you now to cool. hear your thoughts, your feelings. Um, is there still a St. Patty's Day parade? Yes. Did you go as a kid? No, that St. Patrick's Day is my least favorite holiday. Well, it's also like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sober now, but I always was just like, listen, if you need St. Patty's Day to drink, you're boring. Like, yeah. come hang out with me on a random Tuesday night when I'm throwing down bourbon and maybe having inappropriate relations with somebody's <laughs> soon-to-be ex-husband. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, totally. come on. And also just a lot. Anytime I'm in a situation where there's a lot of red-faced white people yelling, I get very concerned and I need to, I'm just like, something bad is happening here. Yeah, and my and my my household definitely had that kind of mentality ahead of time. I mean, you know, mentality, prejudice, against Irish people, we'll see. I mean, we are part Irish. Oh, I am too. My, but, my dad's side is Irish, but I'm just like, that's why. I'm like, no. That's yeah. why I know. I also don't date my mom's side's Italian. I, I typically don't date Italians. Yeah. Italian men. Italian we women. we know better. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I know better. Like, yeah. I don't want to deal with this situation. I'll be prejudiced about my own people. Sure. Look, I, I don't, if there was like a pack of yelling, like yelling white men out on the street right now I'd be like we're staying in here yeah forever. like I came from a household that where it was like where my white parents were looking down on like other white people before like now it's in vogue to do that <laughs> but like my mom was like my mom especially like my mom was doing that like a long time before did that have to do with Jewish identity though uh, my mom's not Jewish uh so my yeah, like, I mean, Jewish identity also is different. I and mean, it's like, it's hard to explain this to people because, like, people are like, but isn't Judaism a religion? I'm like, it's a religion and an ethnic- and an and an ethnicity it has to do with like uh not jews not having a homeland but i can't get into this but my uh my mom went to college uh to get her uh teaching degree as an adult and had a specific religion class where her religions professor really explained it in depth and then she came home and explained it to me just to like you know solidify the argument um in my favor when i would have it with people in school because like i mean like people in, in everyday life i just go guys listen to the adam sandler song of course you can be half jewish like he names half Jews like Adam Sandler is you know the go-to for Judaism in a in a way that's easy to understand by the way this is such an interruption I'm sorry but did your mom go to like Keene or Rutgers or both my parents went to Rutgers oh yeah my my dad went there for undergrad my mom went there for grad school Mm -hmm. sometimes I went you went to SVA right correct yes sometimes I think because I went to a bunch of schools because I was a troubled (laughs) teen and 20 something and 30 something but um I uh I sometimes think, like, maybe I should have gone to Rutgers and saved them some money and mm. heartache, you know? Like, did you ever consider going to school um, in-state? No, because no, I knew specifically I wanted to get a, a BF, BFA in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And there was just like you. If I went to Rutgers, it would have to be very general. Like I was really on top of my shit. I knew the best film programs, and I only uh, applied cool. applied to them. So like my safety in quotes was Temple, 
in Philly because they actually have a, a tremendous film program um, and some really interesting alum, uh, alumnus as well. But yeah, no, and my I remember vividly my guidance counselor being like, but don't you want a safety school? And I'm like, I know I can get into Temple. My grades are great. I know my you know essay is good because you have to be submitting like portfolios and stuff when you're going to art school. So I had to submit essays and like a lot of extra stuff. So my college submission process was very tiresome. Um but yeah, and the money thing, like just money never concerned me. I was like, I got some scholarship and I'll figure the rest out. And I don't regret that at all. Like my college experience was phenomenal. I'm so happy I went to SVA. That's awesome. My yeah. cousin, Michael, also from Jersey, also an SVA grad oh, and, yeah, a, and yeah. a big fan of it. All right. So we're going to have to wrap up soon, but I wanted to ask if you knew this story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, first I have to say Union being only 15 minutes from the mall at Short Hills, I was thrilled to find this out. I mean, the mall at Short Hills, please. They had valet in the 90s. I was like, in Jersey, what's happening? Yeah, and a lot of celebrities would go there. Like, Christina Aguilera used to go there because we don't have taxes on our clothes. Mm -hmm. It's exquisite. Okay, then um, Union also has, I was wondering if you've ever been to the Liberty Hall Museum, which was built in 1772 as the home of William Livingston, New Jersey's first elected governor. Uh, and whom uh, another one of our guests, Adam Pally, from who grew up part time in Livingston, New Jersey, which is named after William Livingston. Liberty Hall Museum in Union has letters written by Thomas Jefferson and two centuries worth of other artifacts. Have you been? Um, I'm, I have, think I have to have been there because is, is it associated with like the Caldwell House? Because we do have a couple. Probably. It's probably like something you had to go through on a school trip. Exactly. Yeah, I think it has to do with something like that because I can picture it in my mind. So yeah, in grammar school, we kind of went to all those places. And my parents, I mean, I've only been on educational vacations. I actually have like a joke about <laughs> it. Yeah, I've never. So, I mean, we were going. Battlefields. We were going bat- <laughs> I, And I hated war, so my mom would try to, like, go, uh, you know, not do those. But I've been to, like, the house where Edgar Allan Poe wrote The Raven. You know, like, the Air and Space Museum to learn about Amelia oh, Earhart. I love Air and Space Museum. Like, those were the kind of vacations we were going on. I've never laid in a hammock. I've never relaxed. And I also, going back to St. Patrick's Day, the, another reason that we never went is because my household was very anti-drinking. Oh, like, okay. Neither parent was is sober because of in any, you know, issues or addiction um my mom nowadays i can convince to have like a cosmo or something and i get very proud when i do that my dad will have beers like if we go out to like you know steak and ale or something like that's like my mom and dad too it was like it was kind of it wasn't a dry house yeah but there was like wine just for guests and they sort of and they really didn't know about wine so you'd be like maybe you guys (laughs) should get something else like this is yeah you know they they were like not they just weren't fans of it. Yeah, it we was, just didn't, we didn't have it in our house. I mean, maybe like every now and then, like someone would give my dad like beer as a gift or my mom wine, like when she was a teacher, but like we just, it was not in the house like, at all. I have one more thing. You, I feel like you probably heard this. I wrote down, this is the most Jersey thing I've ever heard. I didn't <laughs> know this. In 1961, a Newark group called the Four Lovers failed an audition at a cocktail lounge at a bowling alley in Union, New Jersey. The group decided to adopt the name of the bowling alley the four seasons did uh, you know that i didn't know that but i know the bowling alleys it's, is it still open <laughs> um i wonder if it is i don't know because i haven't been back in, but my family oh. are big bowlers okay 
So actually, so led by Frankie Valli, the four seasons were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1990, inspired the Broadway play Jersey Boys, which I've never seen. Thank God. Everybody <laughs> always tries to make you see everyone I know from Jersey is like, oh, I'm like, no. Um, in 2008, West Chestnut Street was renamed Four Seasons Lane. The bowling alley in the grand tradition of New Jersey has been torn down and is now a Costco parking lot. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you know the sense. Costco parking okay, lot? Okay. Yeah. So this is why, that's why I knew, because again, visual memory. I, so the bowling alley did exist in my youth because the Costco went up when I was, you know, old enough to remember, and it was a big thing, and that causes a lot of traffic by, you know, the, getting to the post office and stuff. It's a big headache. Um, <laughs> but yes, because, uh, yeah, like Jews in general, we like to bowl as a people. So, like, we, and in, in Jersey, it's like we would bowl or play billiards. Like, those were like the only things you could do in, unless you were sitting in a 7 Eleven parking lot, like drinking and smoking. So, I would do play a lot of pool and go bowling a lot. And my dad's actually an excellent bowler. Like, my cousins were on, like, you know, they're younger than me, but they went on to be on the Una High School bowling team. Oh, there's a bowling team? Yeah. Like, it's big. Bowling is big. My par- my parents both have their own bowling balls at home with, like, their initials in them. You learned some really cool, like, old man slash <laughs> sexy girl who's different from the other girl's yeah. skills. Like, I like billiards and bowling. It's yeah. super fun. Yeah. I love the shoes. I had some friends yeah. who used to steal the shoes because they were, like, it was, like, uh, kind of an alterna cool thing. <laughs> to wear so, them? I can To wear see bowling that. shoes with, like, a, like, a, a corduroy okay. and something. I mean, the 90s were a real situation. Yeah. Well, Corinne Fisher, thank you so much thank for you. doing the show. Where can the people find more about you or, or projects or things that you care deeply about or that you just think are neat? Um, there, yeah, my you see, I have my website's my name.com, CorinneFisher.com, one R, two N's. And uh, on all social media, I'm at Philanthropy Gal. And then I have two podcasts. Uh, one is Guys We Fucked, the anti-slut shaming podcast, which is moving to Luminary in the next like month. Exciting, so, exciting. Yes, it's a new kind of <laughs> frontier in podcasting. We'll see. We're excited to be a part of it and have some money to produce the show. Yes. Um, and then my second podcast, which will be free it's still on Spotify. Spotify, iTunes is Two Less Lonely Girls. Um, it's an unironic podcast for adult Justin Bieber fans, but we also talk a lot about like Illuminati, Hollow, Hollywood conspiracy theories, and that's with Rosebud Baker. Oh, that sounds so much fun. Wow. Yeah, it's oh really God. short, like 30 to 45 minute episodes. And like, because I just have this extensive pop culture knowledge and I had nothing to do with it. And, you know, Me Too movement, political climate, things were getting heavy. And I was like, who can make me come out of this funk? And the answer was obviously Justin Bieber. Oh, I love that so much. The healing power of the Biebs. Yeah, the Biebs. It's beautiful. Well, thank you so <laughs> much. And thanks for coming on the show. Thanks. And that's it for my chat with Corinne Fisher. You can follow her at Philanthropy Gal online on the Twitters. And you can, of course, listen to Guys We Fucked. Please, 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 please follow us on Twitter at Where You From Pod. I'm at Sarah J. Benincasa. And you can also find at Sarah J. Benincasa and at Where You From Pod on Instagram. Please check out patreon.com slash Sarah Benincasa. If you like what you heard, subscribe, rate us highly on your iTunes or elsewhere. Thank you so, so much. And I'll talk to you guys again soon.